We had fun. I came up here yesterday for a little bit for the kids. Man, they did like reverse charades and did some videos. They had fun. Even though it was raining and storming outside, they, they took over the church and had fun. Brian broke his toe. I think our kid hurt their toe. I think they were playing kickball and he kicked the concrete floor. Which is, I mean, why would you do that? <laughs> That's, don't do that anymore. That's a bad idea. And uh, show us the picture. No, I don't want to see a picture of his purple toe. He did post it somewhere. I saw it on Instagram or something. I was like, oh, what is that? No, but, uh, but we, I do thank everybody that came out and helped with that. Um, lots of people were involved. There was bacon, so that was good. They had muffins and stuff for breakfast. They had a lot of fun. So, um, All right. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't get really chance, didn't really get a chance to finish last week. We had communion, if y'all were here. Um, and I'm not necessarily just going to talk about communion, but there was just part of that scripture that I really wanted to talk a little bit more about that I didn't get a chance to last week, so we're going to kind of continue. But in leading up to it, what we kind of talked about was Jesus teaching about um, basically eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which is pretty dramatic wording um, even today. But back then it was, it was very dramatic, especially to the people that he was talking to. <clears throat> but what he was doing is he was trying to draw them to see exactly who he was and what was going on in the spirit. He wasn't, he wasn't just trying to teach them something new necessarily, although they were learning. He was trying to express to them what they were going to have to experience um, in order for this thing to happen in their lives. And many people turned away. If you remember the scripture, it says, uh, it says many, many said, uh, this is hard, we're out. We, we don't know that we can do this. And uh, so anyway, what, what we did was uh, we, we took the elements, the, the crackers and the grape juice, and what, what I, I wanted to express too and continue to express what we talked about last week, it's not the crackers and the grape juice that carried any kind of special power. Like, like uh, y'all remember gummy bears? Am I old? I'm old. Y'all remember gummy bears? They would drink the gummy juice and they would bounce around. I used to love gummy bears. Thundercats. Okay, focus. All right. But there, it wasn't, it's not like the special power is in the, is in the grape juice or the crackers, right? It's not the elements. It's the element, the one element, which is Christ. And so we don't, we don't put our faith in just the rituals that we do, the traditions that we have, although they're not all bad necessarily. But we understand that it's remembering what actually happened in the spirit. And so what we did last week was remembering what, what actually happened in and through us when Christ died for us. And he was resurrected, and he sent his Holy Spirit to live with us, inside us. And so when we talk about a transformation from the inside out, that's kind of an outward expression of that, that we take him in, into us. And what was hard, especially for the people of that age, they were already in a covenant, right? Many, most of the people that he was talking to at that time were already in a covenant with God. They were in a covenant, right? They had a covenant, and they would sacrifice bulls and goats, and they would, they would go through these rituals. And he wasn't just telling them, that there was, there was an, an alternative covenant coming that they could choose. He was saying, and if you remember, he even said in another scripture that we, for some reason, take as just a scripture about marriage, and it's not. He was using marriage as an example to say, do you know, do you know how in the law it says your spouse has to die? Once your spouse dies, then you can be married to someone else. What he was expressing is you can't be married to two people at the same time. He was talking about covenants. You're either part of this new covenant or part of the old one. You can't be a part of both. It just doesn't work. And so when, when he came and he brought his kingdom with him, he ushered in this new covenant and said, look, I brought something to you that is not just an alternative to the covenant that you have, but it's, it's actually life itself. It's eternal life. And he, he made bold statements like, it's me. I am life. You have to take of me. And that flew right in the face of many young Jewish boys and old, old Jewish boys that they did not, that they did not take, take kindly to that. And many of them obviously plotted and killed him. But it was also a hard teaching, especially for his disciples. It said many of his disciples left him. 
they walked away because they said, we, we're not ready to give up everything for you. We're, we don't fully trust you. We, we're not sure about this whole thing, right? All right. So what I kind of talked about even after worship in John 6, 28, it says, uh, they asked him, what, what must we do to do the works God requires? That's an old covenant question, right? In the old covenant, they would say, okay, if God would say, if you do this, then I'll do this, right? And a lot of people use it today, and it's not talking about America. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, what he was saying, the old covenant was, if you do this, I'll do this in response to it. New covenant's not that way. New covenant is, I did this, now you receive this. But they're asking an old covenant question, and he is a bit prematurely giving them a new, a new covenant answer. He's saying, Jesus answered in 29, he says, the work, singular, right? They're saying, what are the works, plural? What, what can we do to, to, uh, to do the works God requires? And he says, uh, the answer that Jesus said is, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So it's not the amount of faith that we have also expressed in many other scriptures about mustard seeds and size. It's in, it's in what our, not what our faith is in, in whom our faith is in, right? He's saying, look, it's not the works that you do, and it's not really of, of your own ability at all. You can't do it on your own. He's saying there's only one work that you can do, and it's believe in me. That's the work. That's where, where we get off on faith is we, we see that we need to have faith in Jesus, and somehow we, we turn it around and put it back on us. Like we have to have enough faith, like it's, like it's measured. Um, I always... And I'm sorry if I embarrass people in here, but I just talk about life because life happens around us. Uh, the, the example that I was thinking about this morning as I was praying about this was uh, Amanda when we were praying for Amanda. I've, I have been, and I'm just, I'm being honest. I hope I'm honest all the time. Usually when people say I'm being honest, they're about to lie. I'm not. <laughs> I'm being honest and transparent in that I've, I have been, there, there have been times in my life that I was, I was more passionately praying about other things than that day that we prayed for Amanda. Now, I don't say that as though I didn't care. I did deeply and, and was genuine in our prayer um, and it sounds passive but it is because it wasn't me that was doing anything me and Bill just prayed I mean all we did was pray and God did the work and, and that's it that's it there's, no, there's nothing else to that right this is a very simple thing when we say okay well, well what works do we need to do just believe it's, the, this, it's in whom we have the faith not the amount that we have in ourselves don't turn it around back on us that's self-righteousness and it's very easy even, and I talked about even after worship, the way the Holy Spirit was stirring to me, well, okay, but what do we do, <laughs> right? That's a, it's such a common question, and it's so hard um, as a teacher not to tell you steps to do better, because I could tell you steps that may help you in some way, shape, or form temporarily, but there's nothing that I could tell you to do that Christ hasn't already done. <laughs> Does that make sense? Christ has already done everything that you need, all, all everything that is found in godliness and Holiness and righteousness was done in Christ. Everything else is a byproduct of that. So if there's, a, there's an outward manifestation of that physical, then that's, that's an expression. That's from, not towards. Okay? Does that make sense? What happens, what I've seen in my experience is we begin to take what's already been done for us instead of living from that place is we try to grab it and put it in front of us and work towards it again when it's already been done. And what happens is we, we run ourselves ragged trying to do things that we couldn't do on our own at all in the beginning. And we build ourselves up in this self-righteousness until it falls apart again. And then we step back all the way back to the beginning. And then we start over again and we build back up and it falls apart. And if we just look next to us, Christ is there really inside of us. But in, I always think of it as, uh, especially in the way the message puts it, uh, that his, his, uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In the message version, it says, walk with me, talk with me, watch how I do it. 
learn the unrhythm, uh, the unforced rhythms of grace. It's not something that God is pressing his thumb down on us for us to live a certain way. That's not how fathers do. Fathers don't, um, and we talk about the old song, and I didn't really sing it, but I've heard other people sing, be careful of lies what you see, be careful of ears what you hear. And what it doesn't say, but it, it, we got was, be, uh, because your father up above will squish you like a bug. <laughs> that's the way we feel, is like God's this, this, uh, this cosmic killjoy that's saying, look, I don't want you to, don't have too much fun. And really, that's not the truth at all. He wants you to have pure joy. I mean, God is joy. He's made of this stuff. He just gives you joy that's not laced with guilt and shame. That's the difference. When we find, when we find um, what we consider happiness and things outside of what God has for us, though many of you have experienced this. I experienced it young in life because I chased a lot of things like that. We experience these little temporary spurts of what we think is, is joy and then a long period of misery <laughs> afterwards. Right? Has anybody, am I all alone in this? I've tried, and, and that came from me trying to find joy in and of myself without God. Now, there were glimpses of it, and I would see it, especially when I would see people, um, I would see some Christians, and not many, most, most people that I saw go to church were, were so judgmental, and, um, and, and this is just my experience, there were lots of churches outside of Louisiana where I live, so I'm not saying this is the grand scheme, the ones that I went to were so harsh and so mean, I mean, genuinely mean that I went to, that I had a hard time understanding who God was. And so my, my basic interpretation of Christianity was represented by the people that I ran into. And unfortunately, um, prob- and I think with good intentions, most of them were trying to make me holy of, some, of, of their own volitions somehow. Unfortunately, they, didn't, they weren't seeing it the way that God actually explained it in showing people love. And I heard uh, there was a guy I follow on Facebook this morning said it this way. He said, look, if you will just express the fruit that you have that you, you, you share with people, we'll get them curious about the seed. It's not that we memorize all the scriptures and, and blast people with it constantly. A helping hand or a kind word can lead people to ask you what's going on in your life, and then you express to them who you are in Christ. It's as simple as that. We, we really complicated this. All right, I've gotten, I've gotten kind of way off topic here. Eat my, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So we're, we, we've talked about that mostly last week, and I'm going to kind of get to the very end of this in John 6, 60. <clears throat> On hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> when, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, there's so much in there. We talked a little bit about it last week, but I want to, I want to kind of expound on this a little bit more. Um, so many turned away. Jesus was basically saying, marry me or stay married to Moses, <laughs> essentially. Either you're going to enter into a covenant like a marriage with me, either I'm going to be the cornerstone like of Mount Zion or you're going to stay on Mount Sinai. You're, you're either, there's only two choices here. One's about to be gone, and I'm going to be the only way pretty soon. <laughs> and he's saying, listen, you have to take of me 
You have to eat and drink of me. I have to be your source in this new covenant. There's, this is the only way. It's black and white. This is the way it's got to be. And he said bold statements like, I'm the guy. I am him. <laughs> eat of me. Drink of me. This is, this, is, this is my covenant that I'm, this is a new covenant that's coming. That's coming. And just like we talked about earlier, you can't, uh, you can't marry someone unless the old spouse is dead, right? And that's why Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. He fulfilled it. He, he did everything that the law required in him, and it passed away so that we could have a new, a new marriage. And we even, I gave an example a few weeks ago about if, if you, <laughs> being married to the law is like being married to an abusive husband that, that, that the wife can never live up to the expectations, that the, the husband is just expecting perfection from the wife, and she's just always miserable because she can never live up to those expectations. He passes away. She marries a new man that builds her up and loves her and, and encourages her. Now, it wouldn't make any sense for her to pop, prop her dead husband up <laughs> in her room and, and look back to him and go, okay, well, what should I, how should I treat this new husband, right? That doesn't make any sense. We don't go back to an old covenant because it doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. All we have is Jesus. <laughs> it's the only option. It says, and that's why the disciples say, where are we going to go? <laughs> you have life. You carry the words of life. Where, where are we going to go? And that's such a, such a good statement, such a, such a really powerful statement. There is nowhere else to go. Where else are you going to find eternal life? Where? Anybody? Anybody? Nowhere, right? I mean, seriously, let's ask ourselves that question. Where else are we going to go? Let's say all this is, all this is hogwash. Where should we go? Anywhere? Anybody got anything? <laughs> no, there's nowhere to go. I mean, there's no other covenant that we go to, but unfortunately when we, we get this mindset that, okay, well, this new covenant is scary, we have, to, we have to give up everything that we know and believe and, and take Jesus at his word, that he's the son of God. And I've heard people, I've gotten into debates with people years ago about this where they would tell me that, well, I, I believe Jesus was a good moral teacher or he was a prophet or he was this or he was that, but I don't believe he was the son of God. Um, I don't believe there was anything supernatural about him. Well, that's baloney is the Greek word for that. It doesn't make any sense. He, he, he can't be a good moral teacher and be a blatant liar saying that he's the son of God. You, you can't be. That's it. You can't be. And so he's either insane and, and everything we believe is, is absolute garbage or he is who he said he was and I believe he is who he said he was. Very much supernaturally, he was the son of God and he walked amongst us on the earth. He died, resurrected, and sent his Holy Spirit to live with us. That's the reality that we find ourselves in. It's the truth. Um, I, I hear, uh, what's his name? Uh... One of, the, one of the other grace preachers I listen to, he always talks about flirting with Moses is cheating on Jesus. I always thought that was pretty clever. What's his name? Andrew Farley. He says that all the time. And it's true. If, if we're going to go back to the law, there's nothing left for us there to fulfill. Jesus has already fulfilled it. It doesn't mean the law is bad. It just means that there's nothing that we can do to, to, to make ourselves holy, righteous, or just by, by the ways of the law. Oh, except for Doug. He can. He just raised his hand. <laughs> what you got? Uh, the problem is, is that covenant is dead. Even if you could go back and fulfill it in the same way that Jesus did, it's not there anymore. It's inactive. Right. It's, it's it's not. It won't do anything. Right. It's dead. Yeah. There's a new covenant that's in effect and active. And, and the funny thing is, you weren't even in most. I, I would say I would gamble that most of us, if not all of us, were not even invited into the first covenant. Yeah, huh. Right. No, that was offered to the Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Jewish. I mean, I, I guess I am now by lineage. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> That's another sermon. All right. Ver 
Um, what Jesus says in verse 62, he says, then, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend? They're saying, okay. Where his disciples were grumbling, he says, does this offend you? He says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. Do you see what he's doing there? I talked about last week that he's, he's trying to, to pull them from what they understand about the Old Covenant and in, into the New Covenant so they can understand it clear. Now listen to what he says here. A lot of people, and I don't want to go too far down this road, but a lot of people take the Scripture as though the Scripture is talking about Jesus' second coming. I don't think this specific Scripture, and there may be other ones, but this specific Scripture makes much more sense in the context that he's talking about how he's coming back as the Holy Spirit. He says, in the same manner that I go, I'll come back when... when when the disciples are looking up to heaven after he ascends, do you remember? An angel comes and says, hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> They're like, we want Jesus back. <laughs> and he's like, okay, in the, same, in the same manner that he's gone and disappeared is the way he's going to come back. Well, what manner did he go? He disappeared, right? When, when the Spirit came at Pentecost, did it come physically? No, it didn't appear. In the same manner, it came back. So he disappeared, and in the same manner that we don't see him, he comes to live with us. And here's, here's what I find is interesting. He's trying, to, he's trying to show them, look, he's not, in the, he's not in the flesh. He even says there, the flesh counts for nothing, right? I'm talking, my words, my words are spirit. Okay, what I'm telling you is in the spirit, not in the flesh. You are looking for me to come back in the flesh, but I'm going to come back in the spirit. Do you see it? He's going to come back to all of us, not one place one time, but he's going he's to be able to walk and talk and dwell in his people. Like we say, we're holy temples, walking and talking. We don't have to go because the veil was torn. We don't have to go to the Holy of Holies and to the inner rooms. We, don't, we are that now. <laughs> we are sanctified and holy walking around. This is, it just blows my mind every time I think about it. Okay, so when he, when he came, and here's, here's what I find, especially, and we all, have, we all have different backgrounds, especially my background, we never sang, Lord, please die. Lord, please be crucified. We never sang that. We had confidence that he was already crucified. We never sang, Lord, please raise from the dead. We wouldn't write songs about him being raised from the dead currently. But we did sing a lot of Holy Spirit come, right? And, and, and I remember we would always try to coax the Holy Spirit to come. We were so confident in the finished works of the first two, but we weren't confident in the third. Yeah. Holy Spirit has come. Yeah. Now, there is a heightened awareness that we have to understand that. It's what we do almost every Sunday is, is raise our awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us every day. But we're not summonsing it. Uh, ben mentioned it about King Kong a while. It's not that, I mean, Gabe is probably one of the best drummers I know, but it doesn't matter how good he is on drums. We're not summoning the Holy Spirit to come because of the way that we worship. We're not doing that. These guys lead, oh man. <laughs> These guys lead, they're not trying to, they're not, I love our worship team. Let me say that. Our worship team is not trying to, trying to coax the Holy Spirit to come and do things. All they do is try to lead you into experiencing what they already know to be true. They're, they're just leading in worship. That's all they're doing, and their hearts are genuine in it. They just happen to be really, really good musicians. <laughs> and it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome to be a part of it and experience worship in a corporate setting like this. It's amazing. I encourage you to do it often. <laughs> but we're not trying to... Trying to summons the Holy Spirit to do things in our lives. Now, what will happen, you may see people react in different ways, crying, falling down, sitting down. I'm not going to paint a picture of what that looks like. Those are results of the Holy Spirit doing something in and through them, not an attempt to gain something. Now, you may gain something. Oh, man. 
You may gain, a, you may gain more than you could handle. That's why some people fall over. There may be more that you even expected that the Lord will do in and through you, but you're not, you're not coaxing him to come. He's already there. Your, your mind's just catching up. Some, and that's what I always talk about. It feels like a download sometimes. There'll be times I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and the, Lord, the Holy Spirit just, boom, he gives me a download. And I'm like, too much, too much. You know, I can't, I can't take that. Have you all ever experienced that? It's just too much. It's like your mind catches up to what the Holy Spirit is already doing. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. A vision, have you all ever gotten visions and, and, and these, these new ideas that come? You're like, what is, where is this coming from? And it's the Holy Spirit begins to stir things up in you. Listen. Nine times out of ten, that happens when I'm either sleeping or resting. What, is that, what does that say? What it says to me is, I'm not doing it. He's doing it. Amen. We sang a song this morning that says, our, our power, our weapon is rest. Amen. Yeah, wow. Our weapon is resting and knowing that God's already done it. Yeah. Um, since you opened the topic, I want to <laughs> say amen. Since I... Since I yeah, go ahead. Throughout church history, a lot of times we've seen God do something, and you back up and say, what did we do that made that happen? Right, right. I'm and getting there, but go ahead. All, all that we've ever wanted to do is for us to, we, we say, tap into, tune into, become aware of. Yeah. And so all we're trying to do with, with worship is to simply stop for a moment, focus ourselves on blessing and thanking God, and the things that happen we keep talking about the byproduct lifestyle here. When we, when we worship the Lord, sometimes the byproduct of that encounter is things that you can visibly see. A lot of the times it's not. And if you go, if you go chasing the byproducts, you're getting the cart before the horse. Yep. All we want to do is dive into God as deep as we can because the Word says to love Him with all of our heart and soul yep. and mind and strength. And the other stuff... Fruit happens. Happens. Mm -hmm. You know, so if somebody starts crying, don't diss them because they're crying. They're not trying to conjure up, although many churches, sadly... Try to do the stuff thinking it'll bring the Holy Spirit. And that's not the way it works. It goes the other direction. Right. And, and what we have to be very careful of is, and, he, and here's why, one of the reasons, even before I was pastor, I, I started sitting on the front rows, but partially because I have ADD and I just get distracted by everything. But the other thing is, a lot of times when I close my eyes, it's because I, I'm, I'm too easily distracted. And so what I do is, I don't, I try not to be aware as much of everyone else as I am of just the Lord in those times. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't worship with, without closing your eyes. Of course you can. If you're driving, I encourage you to keep your eyes open when you worship. <laughs> Please. Trinity's just learned how to drive, and I'd like to keep her a little bit longer. So if you worship, yeah. <laughs> I'll speak from experience. Tracy doesn't close her eyes, but her, her, her gas foot gets heavy. And she gets tickets sometimes. <laughs> when she starts worshiping, she's like, woo-hoo. <laughs> Hands on the wheel, foot on the brake. Calm down. But, uh... <laughs> But anyway, so when, just like you said, and what I was, I, I was going to get to, but I'll skip to it now since you brought it up, um, is we, we don't need to try to replicate, because in the same instance, I don't, I don't want to just keep coming to Amanda, but in the same instance, if we say, okay, well, what, prayed, what prayer did I pray? Let's try to mimic that. That's not how God works. We don't mimic, we, because, and here's why, and that's why I love how Jesus did it too. He didn't, he would spit and make mud and stick it in your eye. You don't do that with everybody you come in contact with. You're going to probably end up in a crazy house if that's all you do. <laughs> Now, if God tells you to do that for that specific instance, that's okay. Do that. That's, that's all right. But I think it's great how Jesus did that. He just walked with people. He talked with them. He met Nicodemus down a dark alley and, and spent time with him trying to explain being born again. And Nicodemus is like, I don't understand. <laughs> I can't get back in my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus is like, oh, face palm. I'm trying to help you see this in the spirit. But at the same time, 
he would meet somebody else, you know, at the, in the middle of the synagogue and, and teach. And he would go and walk on water and do this, and he would do this. And it's so that, I think he did it on purpose so that we wouldn't try to mimic everything, that, the, the things he did, although we're still just as goofy and we still try to do that. <laughs> we still try to mimic this stuff and try to do the things that, as though it's some kind of formula. I, uh, um, I spoke with a few people this morning about, about walking into... Um, about walking into the truth and understanding that God has, and going back to the whole childlike faith thing, our, our kids don't, I hope that they don't have to stress out about, you know, beg us for food or, hey, can I come home tonight? You know what I mean? These things are things that they just understand are to be true, that we care for them. Hopefully they understand that we love them. They understand that they're going to have, they're always going to have food, even though it's not food they like. <laughs> we don't have any food. And I'm like, really? We have so much food. And, uh, but it's nothing I like. Anyway, they know that they know that we're, they're going to have food. They know that they're going to be safe. They know that we're going to take care of them. This is the same way we should be treating our father. Protection, provision, promotion comes from him, not from us. He he takes care of those things for us, and I've seen it time and time and time and time again. Listen, there's I, I'll speak briefly of, of my experience lately. Our our company, the company I work for, my my other job, um, has merged with another company, and the company that we merged with is much larger than we are. And what we've realized is it feels less like a merge, more like a hostile takeover, because we've just adopted all of their policies and pay structure, which I'm not crazy about, um, without anybody having any input. We had a really long meeting Friday about it, and as stressed out as I am, because they, they basically cut my check in half. Like Tracy's calling me, she's like, hey, what is this tiny check that just went through the bank? I'm like, well, they're saying it's, they're basically telling us to trust them, that it's all going to work out, that the way they're doing it is going to be better, and... But I'm just going, uh, okay, well, the mortgage company doesn't care about any of that. So it's, 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 it's all this that's new to me because everything has been going really well, you know, for a while. And now it's like, okay. But as we're going through the meeting or whatever, everybody's talking and, and the guys are frustrated and everything like that. I got, a piece, I got a piece about it the whole time. I was just like, you know what? I'm not stressed about this. God's going to take care of this. And that may not seem like much, but when you have, yeah, <laughs> When you have responsibilities and a family and, and things going on and, and, and things happening. But here's the cool thing. On the way back, my buddy asked me if I would finish his, his Jeep. He had started building his Jeep and got frustrated with it and said, hey, can you finish this for me? I was like, no, I don't have time. I've got like several jobs, lots going on. He's like, well, name a price that, would, that, that you would do this for me. And I was like, and, and it's not a lot of work, to be honest with you. And I, I, many of you know, I like building stuff like that. I kind of enjoy doing it. I was like thousand bucks. Like he's, there's no way he's gonna pay me a thousand bucks to do this. And he's like, all right, come pick it up. It's like sweet provision. <laughs> I'll take that, and I'll and I enjoy building it. S- same, not long before that, um, I had a, I had another car for sale that I had very very little money invested in, and somebody traded me something of much greater value for it. And I'm gonna I, I will probably stand to make a decent amount of money on it as well. So I'm not stressed about this. The Lord's gonna provide for us. And I'm not. This this is. This is me walking and talking with the Lord and realizing even in the midst of everything that's going on and everything with my work and everything like that, God's like, what are you worried about? You know what I mean? What are you stressed about? Many of you in here could tell the same stories. I've, I've, I've heard them, right? This is, this is the God that we walk with and we talk with. It's not one that's just trying to frustrate us with, with rules and regulations, but one that walks with us and comforts us. That's why the Holy Spirit says, look, I'm a comforter to you. When you're stressed out, when you think everything's falling apart, I'm right here putting it all together. All right.
you know, a lot of the new folks don't know my testimony, or Carolyn and I's testimony, but in 2000, well, 2005, we had Katrina, lost everything. Gulfport was not a place to raise our family, so we moved back over here to Mobile. And I was working in, land I was working in landscape construction at the time as a project manager, field superintendent, and 2009, the company I was with went belly up. And so for the last eight months of 2009, I freelanced and I worked for a gentleman that was kind enough to take me on in his warehouse as a shipping guy, making very little money. But the whole entire time, you know, that's, Justin knows about it more than anybody out here probably, but that was when, I mean, I was at my lowest point and all I did was go, that was when my epiphany came. I guess that's when I could honestly say that I was born again yeah. because I came to the Lord in a huge way at that time. Sitting out there in the front row crying, just sobbing. And found out in two weeks before Christmas of 2009 that ThyssenKrupp was going to hire me. And I was like, well, this is awesome. You know, when the lady called me up, actually... Uh, who was the associate pastor? Neil. Neil. Neil Battalier. I was working down at uh, the shipping place, and the human resource lady was, we were playing phone tag, and I finally got a hold of her, and I said, I'll take it. <laughs> and she was like, when, you know, I had actually, she, the message she had left me, she's like, we're going to hire you. We want to hire you. And so on my way home, I passed the church every day, and I, Neil was here, and so I came, I came to the church, and Neil and I prayed, and rejoiced and we were like this is awesome God is good and all this kind of stuff and she just happened to call me at the time because and I, all I wanted to do was I wanted to pray with Neil because I wanted I wanted the Lord to use me to bring to help people at the plant because let's face it construction and industry is not the most it's, you don't find a what's the word I'm looking for Justin help me out here I know what you're saying. It's not the most, it's not the most, uh, it's a little rough. Yeah, it's a little rough. We'll say that. And I wanted to be able to use me as an, I wanted God to be able to use me as an outlet. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, honor him and I wanted to thank him for this opportunity. And so she, right after we got done praying, she calls me and she, I was like, yeah. She's like, we want to offer you a job. And I said, I'll take it. She goes, you don't know what I'm offering you. I said, I don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> right. And she's like, well, do you know what it is? And I said, you're going to hire me as an entry-level operator for the steel mill. And she goes, no. And I was like, okay. And she said, we want to hire you as an operator trainer because of your training and management background. You'll still be an hourly operator, but yeah. instead of coming in at entry-level pay, you come in at top-level pay immediately. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was just like, I was absolutely floored. I mean, because we're talking about a difference of I 6 remember. or $7 an hour. And I was absolutely floored. And the amount of times that I've been able to help people out, out there and pray for people and, you know, just be there for people with God in mind and the way I've been able to speak my testimony outside of work and outside of the church, just saying, hey, look, I was there. I know what you went through. You were lost and, you know, you're lost right now and you just, it's awful. But you just have to trust and believe in, in everything. And that's, I've been able to really use, God's been able to use me as an outlet 
simply because of that story. And yeah. it was it was awesome. Yeah. And it was awesome. Listen, our <clears throat> our testimonies our testimonies are powerful in that it helps people see, just like we talked about earlier, the fruit of what happens when the Lord comes into our lives. Well, you don't have to convince people that it's good. Fruit's good, right? Fruit is good. When people see fruit and they see that it's good, they're they're genuinely going to be curious of where that comes from. You don't have to push people into it. Listen, I, I've tried to push. I've I, And I've talked about this before. I remember when I first got saved, I wanted to shake everybody. Like, I seriously wanted to shake them, especially people that I'm close to, like family members. And they didn't get it. And I just wanted to go, why don't you see it the way that I see it? Why don't you see God the way I see God? Why can't you experience this the way I experience it? But I didn't really know how to communicate that. I just wanted to shake them. <laughs> Sometimes I wanted to punch them in the face. But most of the time, I just wanted to shake them. And I just wanted them to see, you know, why, why don't you get this? And, you, and, and, and many of you experience it. You see people make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And you go, come on, just let me show you there's a better way. Um, but what I learned over the years is that me shaking them wouldn't do anything or me trying to, trying to force them to understand it the way that I saw it didn't do anything. But building relationships over the years did. Getting to know them and being there when something would happen, something like that would happen. Being there around other people. And I genuinely consider our church family. I know we say that a lot, we throw it around a lot, but it really is. I mean, this is, this, you guys are family. And so when we, when we tell each other stories and we go through things, listen, you guys have, I, ho- I hope that I'm even a little bit as much of a blessing as you guys are to us. I'll say that. Not, not just in church, but just in life. Listen, it took years for me to understand how important it is to, to walk with people in and through things and, and to laugh with people and cry with people and understand that the, the real joys and jewels of life are people, not things. And I know that's a, that seems kind of a trite saying, like, yeah, we all know that, but no, I'm serious. There's, there's so much to be said about the time that we spend together and actually build relationships in this place. All right, we've gotten way off, but it is what it is. And I told, it was funny, I told Ben this morning, I was like, I don't have a ton of information. We'll probably get out of here early. <laughs> nope. You're wrong. You're wrong, Gunny. All right. Let's see. Uh, where was I? <clears throat> All right. If, uh, yeah. If, there's another question. If there was something that we could do going, going along the lines of what, Andrew, where'd Andrew go? Oh, he had the mic. He, Donahue in it back there. Um, if there was something that we could do in the flesh to make the make something happen or make the Holy Spirit show up, what is it? I think it's a real genuine question. When we take things all the way to its end, we really find out what we believe. If there is something, is it a certain song? Is it a certain saying? Is it a certain scripture? A certain amount of people? If there is something that we can do, what is it? We need to ask ourselves that question. What is it? You have a step counter on? I'm sorry. Bad. Bad. Need one. Okay, look at the Apostle Paul, for example. Okay, so like it says in the Bible that when he walked past people, his shadow healed them. Yeah. Okay? All right, here's the deal. <clears throat> I don't think Paul was going, walking past people going, oh, Jesus, heal him, heal him, heal him, heal him. He just lived a life with the Father. Mm-hmm. He just lived grace. He lived, had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And out of that relationship, the life came. Yeah. And it's, it's not, so if we'll just, if we'll just live, it just sloshed out. Yeah, it just sloshed out, you know. And here's the deal. So, so here's the deal. Like you said, uh, the guys were saying, what can we do to work the works of God? And he just said, 
believe. believe. And so here's the here's the thing that 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 I've heard people say, and that I even used to say, how can I be like Paul? How can I do that where my shadow will heal them? Okay, that's not that's not the question. The question is. What was in Paul? That How can I be like Paul? It's not to do the things. It's how can I be like Paul? Just have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Believe on the one whom God has sent. Yeah. So anyway, I'll shut up. Have you ever been around anybody that just, just when, they, when they walk in a room, you can feel it? Have you ever yes. met Melissa? Have you ever met Melissa? <laughs> Listen, when you speak, Melissa, you can feel it. And it's because you... You said something, and then you said something just now. I know that sounds a little redundant, but I'm saying you you said something, but you expressed it even in the way that you said it. And it's not just it's not just it's not just a charisma or something like that. It's something that you know deep down, genuine to be true. And so when you when you speak to someone about something like this, and like I said, if you've ever met Melissa, you know what this looks like. I love it when you guys preach a sermon for me. This is awesome. I don't just forget all this stuff. Y'all just keep talking. But listen. He, Melissa just said, she just said something, but I, and I don't want to sound too kooky, but Melissa said something, but I felt something. It's not all about feelings, I know that, but there is something, there is something to when, when the Holy Spirit speaks through someone, it resonates with you and your Holy Spirit. And there's something, um, there's something when, when we do that, there's something miraculous, there's something supernatural going on. It's just what Jesus is talking about here. Don't put your faith in the flesh. Paul even said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you because you guys are goofy and you're trying to follow me and I'm trying to lead you to the one that actually saves. <laughs> actually, he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except for you and you. But that's it. Because <laughs> he's, so, he's, so, he's so good. Paul is like, okay, I know y'all are going to bring this up, so I'm going to tell you all that. But he says, look, I'm glad I didn't even baptize most of you because you guys are going cuckoo and trying to follow me instead of following Christ and understanding that it's not just about what you do, but it's about who you carry. It's just that I may know him. That's all Paul said. Paul just said, that I can know him. He's like, I'm, his, his modus operandi wasn't anything but knowing him. Yeah. And, and all those skills and, and everything, if you'll seek the kingdom, all those other things will be added to you. But those are things that are added. Those yeah. are, that, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an expression of the kingdom. But it's all about relationship. Okay. Listen to, listen to this. Words matter. Okay. Words matter. In the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Listen, when God was in the beginning, He spoke to darkness and made light. He spoke to chaos and made peace. When God speaks, things happen. When we say, okay, well, when Jesus said it was Jairus' daughter, she's just sleeping. Um, I always use this as an example because I love it. Oh, she's just sleeping. She just needs to wake up. Well, was she dead or was she sleeping? It doesn't matter. When Jesus said she was just sleeping, she was just sleeping because He spoke it into existence. Listen, (laughs) when you speak... You carry power, Holy Spirit power. The Bible says, oh, this is, this, is, this is hard. This is a hard teaching, but listen to me. When Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, you have the Holy Spirit now, you, when you go and you say sins are forgiven, sins are forgiven, and you retain them, they're not. That's, he's, he's not just talking to disciples. He's talking about us too. Now, that's very powerful. Why is he saying that? Because when you carry the Holy Spirit, you carry power. You can, you can heap condemnation on You have the power to heap condemnation and, and guilt on people, and you have the power to free people, what are you going to do with it? Listen, when you have the Holy Spirit and you speak, words carry power. It says the, the, the oh, what does it say? Peace, love, and joy is found in the Holy Spirit. So when you speak, peace, love, and joy come out. You, you have the power to free people with your words. Your words carry power. It says the power of life and death are in the tongue. Why does it say that? 
because you carry that power. So when you speak to people, you have a choice to build them up or tear them down. Bill Johnson said this years ago on, I think it was on one of the interviews on Father of Lights or one of the Darren Wilson movies. He said, uh, he said I'm not saying this is what's happening. He said, but I want to propose this. He said, a lot of churches uh, condemn like New Orleans and San Francisco because of you know, homosexuality or what's going on that they call sin. And he said, what if, because God's given us this power, what if the church is the one that's condemning them? What if, what if the church is the ones that's bringing curses upon them? Because we're the ones that carry the power. I was like, whoa. And we're the ones that are supposed to be bringing life to people and bringing love to people, and we're the ones that are, that are, that are speaking death over them. That's, a, that's, that's powerful, yeah. So when, when you guys leave this building and go, you, you don't leave, you don't check your Holy Spirit at the door and go, okay, I'll see you next Sunday. Be good. <laughs> you know, I'll pray to you. No. No. Holy Spirit, it says if you go, no matter where you go, and we use this scripture often, but it's, so, so it's such a, a powerful way to say it. If you go and join yourself to a harlot, don't you know that I go with you? He's not checking out. because He's not intimidated by what you do. He cares more about who you are. I also heard, I, because I'm in sales and I deal with a lot of people, I meet people all the time, and I don't always bring up that I'm a pastor, and I don't just say, hey, I'm a Christian, y'all stop cussing or anything like that. It does, none of that bothers me or intimidates me at all. But occasionally people will introduce me, and especially one of my friends who's a, who is, uh, it doesn't matter, he's in the same industry as me. When he we go to a customer, he always tells them ahead of time that I'm a pastor. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Sometimes then I don't get out of there for three hours because I just want to talk, and I enjoy it, but i got a job too <laughs> i got to do. But at the same time, there are people that will say, Oh, I'm, I, they'll say like a cuss word. Some say, "Oh, I'm sorry." I'm like, "Why are you sorry? Why are you apologizing to me?" It, that that doesn't bother me. Same way, I, um, who was it that? Who's the guy with motion? What's his? What's the pastor's name up there in Birmingham? Chris, Chris Hodges. He told a story about meeting a lady, a young lady on a plane, and she was obviously had been drinking for a while, and they got into a conversation, and she said. Uh, she said, oh, well, what is it that you do? And he's like, oh, well, I'm a pastor. And she, like, got real stuck. <laughs> okay. And so then she said, well, your God probably isn't too crazy about this, kind of swishing her drink around. And he was like, my God's not concerned with that at all. He just wants to get to know you. And he said, she just broke. And he said, he's just concerned with your heart. He just wants to get to know you. And so he, he said, he's not worried about that. That's, a, that's, that's something y'all can talk about later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not an issue, man. He's, he's, he wants to know you. And that's, that's something, especially if you've grown up in a real legalistic system, that's, hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard for me because I grew up, my dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And so when, when I see, it took me years to light, not lighten up about it, but to realize that there's more going on than what I see. There was more going on in my dad's life than what I saw. There are reasons that I understand now why. Not, not to justify his actions, but there are reasons now that I understand in the spirit why he did what he did. He, 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 had, he, was, he was operating from a huge place of lack, and I see that now. Now, in the same way, when we run into people that are dealing with issues, and I'm not going to paint a picture as though it's just all alcohol, it's just something else. Listen, you've all got your vices. Everybody's got issues that they deal with. Our job is not to look for those issues. Our job is to look for the potential of who those people are, how, how God sees their end from their beginning is how we should see them. And we should see everybody at their full potential, regardless of the position that they're in. Now, you, I'll tell you, you can't do that on your own. 
you need the Holy Spirit with you so that you can speak truth into people and power into people because if it's just us on our own, we'll want to shake them and maybe punch them in the throat. I'm just saying you may. I'm not saying you will, but you probably will because people, people can be stupid sometimes. <laughs> but listen, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry, I was. I don't know if you were. And, and Jesus was patient with me. I'm sure he probably wanted to punch me in the face a couple times. All right. With his love and goodness. <laughs> Jesus juke. All right. Uh, <clears throat> overcome your chaos by speaking peace to it. Be aware of the power that you carry and release it. We talk about R&D. Listen, renew your mind every day. The awareness that you have of the Holy Spirit that you carry will change the atmospheres around you, not the other way around. Your situation, you're, you can allow your situation to, to start to try to define you, but you can change your situation by what's inside of you. Your circumstances don't define you. Who you are defines you, and your identity is in Christ. All right, I've gone over enough. Pam, you can finish up my sermon for me because y'all are doing a great job. Since you just said that. <laughs> um, never mind, I'll just... You got the same Holy Spirit? Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I came in while y'all were praying, and I was <clears throat> completely stressed out. And uh, things had been happening, boom, 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 boom. And um, God gave me a verse in Psalm 78. It's, it says, then they remembered that uh, he was their rescuer and their hero, God. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> As soon as I took that and said, Lord, I give it all to you, this peace has come over me, and we've still got problems. You know, Sam's still in a brace, and this is still this, and this is still this, but I've got peace. Yeah. And I've seen God take care of us before, and I know he's going to take care of us again. Amen. That's good. Something else I want to do, I want to pray for Lee. Um, uh, his... He's got cancer. His cancer's back, or that's what the doctors think. But we we we're not accepting that. So we want to pray for him as well. So I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna pray for you guys. We're gonna pray for Lee as well. Um, Father, I just thank you that <clears throat> you are good. Lord, you are a good father, and we uh, instead of examining ourselves, Lord, we just want to examine you. And and what we find is no fault, and we find perfection in you. And Lord, we we thank you that that's how you see us, even though it doesn't feel that way all the time. We know that's the truth. And, Lord, we pray for Lee right now. We pray your kingdom come in his body and your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. And we know there's no cancer in heaven, so we pray no cancer in him. So, Father, we pray that, that just as, and, and not that this is some kind of formula, but, um, but just as we did with the Mandalore, we pray that the, the, uh, the doctors would be confused because there would be no cancer. Lord, we don't, we don't speak boldly because of some power that we carry, and we're only passive because you've made us that way. We're pa- we, we pass your power on. And so we thank you that we receive it. We receive your peace and receive your healing, and we give it out. And so right now, Lord, we just want to redistribute that truth. We want to redistribute that life. We want to distribute your kingdom into Lee's body right now. And your, your spirit knows no time and space, so we, we, we claim right now that it is healing. Well, that your Holy Spirit is healing in Lee right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is? Okay. Well, let's pray for Matt Scene too. All right. Daddy, it's us again. (laughs) 
We want to pray for Matt Seen, Father. Uh, she's having some kind of neck surgery. Lord, we, we pray for complete healing first. Um, and, and Lord, if that's your will, we pray that you do that. If not, Lord, we pray your hands on the doctors, Lord, that, that, they, would heal, that they would heal through their hands, Lord, and that her recovery would be quick and she would, she would be restored, um, Lord, to, to be healthy. So, Father, however you want to do it, we're okay with it because uh, it's you and we're us. And uh, we thank you for it. We thank you for healing in Jesus' holy name, in Matt's scene right now. Amen. Amen. Amen.